Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So I, I'm I'm feeling like my spot's been a little blown up here. I am apparently not the only astrophysicist doing baseball analysis, which is actually obscuring this point that I want to talk about, which is that the MLB has been screwing with us. <laughs> huh. No. Yeah, of course I have. That wouldn't be anything new and different. They, you know, this is uh, this is retrospectively. I imagine they're going to claim supply chain issues, but this uh, an astrophysicist, Meredith Wills, found by dissecting a bunch of actual major league game balls that the change that the MLB promised for the ball that was going to make it a little bit deader or a little bit more live so that people stopped hitting home runs all the time by lowering the mass of the core. uh, They only did that like 50%. (laughs) Like in in the worst possible way, it's not that they reduced the core 50%. It's that, 50% 50% of the balls are have this lighter core and 50% don't. So they were effectively playing with two different balls during the course of this year, which is actually kind of nuts. I, I There have been a couple of conversations that I've had lately where I've tried to explain the difference between like doing 80% of the job versus doing the job at 80%. <laughs> that's, that's basically you know. what we're seeing here, yeah. The MLB said, we need to reduce this by 50%. And someone said, well, we got all these balls lying around here. We're going to use them. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm Bob Manfred. I'm not going to waste money. Like, the balls are here. So let's just add some balls, and then 50% of them will be like, yeah, yeah that's exactly. great. Which, which is nuts. Like, Was the reason that certain teams that are have huge markets like Los Angeles and San Francisco were they benefited by this I'm not gonna I mean I'm not gonna like lie to myself were the Red Sox benefited by this in some sort of way they had their offense in the beginning of the year was was great it's it's just yeah you, you don't want it to be a situation where the MLB says like oh the Yankees are underperforming a little bit in uh in offense let's uh ship some of these old balls down there and uh see what they can do with them you know yeah that's yeah. that's really the thing that you're that you're hoping hoping to avoid wheel of time boy it is hard to not you know i, I really want to binge these if there were 10 i would have finished all 10 you would have yeah, watched like 10. no problem yeah. like you know for all of my annoyances about how they released it in the first place and the fact that i didn't want to get amazon prime mm-hmm. it's over it's over like it's i'm in. ready you're, you're enjoying I'm kind it. of i'm annoyed that you told me that you were able to watch it on thursday night now i'm gonna have to check on thursday night and see if i can see it yeah i don't know when they were i it must be like when the clock in the world first strikes yeah yeah <laughs> friday they release it for everybody yeah i think one of the big things that 
we'll get into each one of these episodes and i think that we probably need to do you and i need to go rewatch all of these and actually do like all the episodes in like a real kind of way there are a couple of podcasts out there that are talking about wheel of time and we we should really hit them where it hurts <laughs> but i think one of the things that we said this week was hey the, you know they did it right putting out three and then putting out these in the order that they have because you weren't going to get there on that first episode no. and you really just had to hope that people were going to be like i'm sitting here watching this and it's going to autoplay the second episode and i'll just do that and then all of a sudden they've watched three of them and then they're ready and they actually want to watch the next ones episode 0.4 aka episode 5 was a real set the table episode wasn't total it? set the table episode but i i mean this one was for the people that envisioned themselves becoming maesters in uh you know in, in game of thrones and that's obviously that's me so you know you get to the white tower and i'm like this is great they got they got a big library informing you where the library is they got gardens you know you got everything they have statues they got statues it's like this is my place i got it they they, they made it look pretty well i could use i could use a little bit more like full-on establishing shots i think so i can really get into it but i'm pretty happy i mean can but can the naming be any like more blunt they could have just called it the ivory tower it's true i mean <laughs> There, there are so many things in Wheel of Time in general that are just not subtle, right? <laughs> like, he's brought, he's, I, we finally brought in the red hair piece, uh, the, the Isleman stuff from a, a good point. It was, it was a good point to kind of present it. You had the, um, you, you laid it with Tom. Yeah. They like red hair is weird, <laughs> but completely. But uh, yeah, I. I'm trying to figure out what it would be like to not know anything about ale at all and going into this. And they just keep throwing this word that like, is definitely a word that if you haven't seen it written, could be really hard to pick up. Yeah, you don't. And then they're, and then they're throwing suffixes like ailman. And you're like, what? What? What's this? <laughs> yeah. Do you make ale? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I... Um, I don't. I mean, I I understand what they're holding off for on not explaining it, but they're putting in so many teasers that they're gonna have to clear this up soon. Yeah, they're gonna have to pretty soon. And and I think it, well, maybe it's next. Maybe maybe it's next episode. Uh, what we have? We have um, the flame of Tarvalon, the dark along the ways, and the eye of the world. I don't know that we're gonna be. I, I'm just not ready for the eye of the world in episode eight. That's crazy. Well, we everything is compressed, right? They've they seem they seem to be giving themselves consistent off ramps to make any number of seasons or not make any number of seasons. Is, mm-hmm. is sort of my my read on the situation right now. Well, they've aligned this pretty well with this ha- all happening in this yeah. book, which is amazing. It's a lot of content to get through in one book, but I mean, when you think about how much of like Robert Jordan's like crutch sentences that he gets rid of. It's actually not that crazy. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, okay, let's let's pit these two episodes against each other. Which one did you like better? I, w- I was down for zero point yeah, three. I, I, it was a, it was a good. I I did like the Nynaeve reveal. I liked her being back. I liked I liked the Loghain piece of it. That was all pretty good. And I'm in one of those states where it's like zero point four 
really depends on them, you know, eating the the meal. They set the yep. table in episode 0.4, so I can't really judge it until I know, like, was that meal any good <laughs> that they set the table for, or what was I, it not? Because if yeah. it's good, then maybe I do. I have full confidence. More. I think that this table setting really worked. This is my episode seven Star Wars episode seven like you set the table for the next episode you know actually that's a really good point our memory of episode seven would be a lot better if episode eight hadn't shit the bed if episode eight was good i would have really liked episode seven okay i don't like i I actually never i did not think about that um concept before Ah. i think i think you're totally right all right well good news is that we only get one episode for next week so we'll actually be able to keep most of our discussion in the pod yeah yeah epl the problem with picking favorites is that it feels so much worse when they lose it is worse when they lose so yeah. we did great man city two for two this past week that was great chelsea one for two straight up lost to west ham not even a draw straight up lost to west ham that's pretty yeah. sad for them well that's that's darby yeah i mean we don't get any extra credit for a draw. No, but I feel I feel like the theory of the case is a little bit closer in that case. You know, I, when West Ham just straight up takes it to him, three goals to two. West Ham, yeah, West Ham, really. So therefore, I have a proposal for you this upcoming week. I picked five here, um, some old favorites here, some some real ones: Man U, Norwich, Chelsea over Leeds, Leicester over Newcastle, West Ham over Burnley. And then wildcard Arsenal over Southampton. I'll take, yeah, okay, you're already picking Chelsea over Leeds. That feels good. Leicester over Newcastle. That feels good. These other ones, I'm not sure. Okay. Arsenal over Southampton. I don't know what to think of. I think we need to stay away from Man U, and we need to stay away from Norwich, and we need to stay away from West Ham. I'm just, I'm, I'm putting well, it down. Well, West, right, because West Ham, I think West Ham has morphed into a team where they could beat anyone, but it's not clear who's going to show up. It's not clear what team shows up yeah. for them. Um, and the same thing yeah. is actually true for Man U. Both of those teams are kind of in the same nebulous zone of, like, I, I think you're going to win, but you could completely not show up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that could be against, right, West Ham could can beat Chelsea one week, and they could lose to Burnley the next week. I think you're going to lose, but, well, all right. I like, I like these picks. Draw. I like these picks. Chelsea over Leeds, Leicester over Newcastle, Arsenal over Southampton. Let's get ourselves back on track. All right, let's talk more plate appearance projections. Uh, predictions. Two weeks ago, I talked about a data um, a data product that I actually wanted to make, and I finally made it. It was uh, required all the classic all the classic data science uh, problems like cleaning data. Like one data set has the last name first, uh, the other data set has the first name first, and like. It's not a trivial. Oh, one of them is Unicode encoded, so it has accents. Yeah. The other one doesn't have accents. Sometimes Lance McCullers right. is a junior. Sometimes he's not. You know, all the all the traditional problems that that you run into. We should talk to someone about that. All the traditional problems that you run into matching across different different sites, uh, but those issues were surmounted. The problem the problem with any data science project like this is that that took a long time, but I can't. You know, I can only tell you about it like this. So now I have to present these results that aren't as far along as I would like them to be because I had to do these stupid, like, I had to get rid of these dumb accents, you know? I know. It's sort of like, uh, yeah, it, it would be like um, you're running a 100-meter race, but, like, I had to jog 
to the stadium <laughs> today to get here. And I would like to talk about that because I had to dro- jog through traffic yeah. to get here. And then I sprinted a 100-meter race. And at the end of it, you just get to the start of the 100-meter dash, and you're like, I'm exhausted. I jogged here. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about so many of these data products. All right, enough complaining. Uh, we that, that issue was surmounted. So let's talk about some actual progress in this. Uh, right, so to, to refresh our memories, what we have now is we've tabulated the position in the order that every guy batted during the course of the year. Um, we've looked at how many plate appearances per team each spot in the batting order got. Um, and I was just checking this week to see if those add up. So if you take the spot in the guy's the guy's spot in the batting order, multiply it by the number of times that that spot in the order came up for the team, you should get pretty close to their mm-hmm. actual plate appearances. Um, I identified a couple of effects that could throw this. Basically, the main one is guys getting pulled early in games, earlier than you expect in games, right. not finishing games. Yep. Um, so I just wanted to see, in terms of making a prediction, how bad is this? Um, and the answer is, surprisingly not. I mean, it's really close to a one-to-one relation, which makes sense. If you know, <coughs> if you know the team's... Uh, how many times in a year the team's spot is going to come up in the batting order and where the guy was in the batting order, and you multiply those together, it's pretty close to a one-to-one relation. And that's this top plot that I made for you here. Do we have an R-squared? We don't, which is what I was going to do and didn't have time for. But I can tell you you by eye that this is the best fit and the other two are going to get worse. But we need numbers on that. Okay. okay. Uh, one one other thing that I had to work on was making sure that I treated guys that got traded correctly, and more guys got traded than I thought, because <laughs> because they they show up on multiple teams. Yeah. And this actually it turns out for the most part works across trades as well, and this works for guys that went all the way from essentially zero plate appearances during the season all the way up to seven hundred and twenty plate appearances during the season, which is really impressive. Yeah, it looks. That it, it's pretty interesting because you've got the, the ones that are most difficult, it seems to be, are sort of in that 100 to 300 range is where there's like the most ambiguity. You got a couple who are very low, true plate appearances versus predicted is much higher. But yeah, I, once you really hit that 350, the fantasy relevant people are pretty close, it looks like. Well, actually, I, I have a problem here, and you're kind of teasing what I was going to talk about later, which is that I was looking to see, like, okay, do we have to care about the guys between 0 and 350? And the problem is those guys, some of those guys are super fantasy relevant because they're the guys that show up halfway through the year or they were injured, and you really want to know what's going to happen when they come back. Yeah. So we're going to have to wrestle with that, and I have a couple of questions. I want to put together an algorithm to study this, and so I want to kick that around in a minute. Um, right, so... This is pretty evident. If you have these two ingredients, you can do a pretty good job of, of predicting plate appearances. So then I started thinking, what do we need to do to roll this forward? Um, we need the where the guy's going to bat in the batting order, and we need how many times that spot appears in the lineup. Well, let's try and soften both of those assumptions and see what happens. So the first one, the first softening that I did was say, okay, what if we just assume that a guy was played all of his games uh, at one spot in the batting order. So we've made all these distributions of, of players' batting orders. Like we know that certain guys bat 
um, have typical spots in the batting order, but they might shift around a little bit. Like we looked at Jacques Peterson at one point, and he's like all over the lineup. But let's assume that right. let's assume that he always bats third or something, whatever his maximum was. How do we do if you then project out their plate appearances? And that's this typical batting order figure. You see that we get it's a little bit worse, um, especially up at the up at the fantasy end. But all in all, not as bad as I expected. So it's it's not a bad assumption to just say, okay, I assume that he always bats third in the lineup. How do we do with how do we do with um, getting getting the plate appearances? So that's good. So we don't have to. So to my estimation, we don't actually have to predict how many times we think Jacques Peterson's going to bat third, fourth, fifth, sixth. <laughs> we only have to bat. We only have to predict where he's going to be in the lineup most often. Okay. Then I softened the other assumption, which was, okay, I was assuming that the spot in the lineup mattered significantly um, for this. What happens if we just say that they always got four plate appearances per game started? And it's, well, you actually have to tune to 4.2. And the trend gets worse, noticeably worse. Yeah, it doesn't. So, yeah, it does, that doesn't look so very So I tight. don't think we can actually do that because you're getting more than 10% deviations for some of these guys. And we're, I would say that we're probably targeting like 5% accuracy is sort of my goal here, I think. Yeah. Um, 10% is probably too wide. So, so we can't actually soften the how many times is a spot in the batting order going to come up assumption too much. So we're going to have to wrestle with that. And now the question is, what do we do to predict this going forward? Um, you're just seeing this for the first time. So give me some thoughts. What should we do? <laughs> well, I... I like the, fir- the I like that the first order predictions seem to be pretty close. I think that number one, we need to investigate what's going on with those. I'd like to see a couple of those examples of guys who are falling off of this. There's a clear cluster between 200 to 300 that are um, being over predicted, no under predicted, yeah. right? They're being under predicted. That I would I would be interested in understanding. Like and they're all trades those. too, right? They're mostly they're mostly they're all trades. trades. Um, you can see I I forgot to mention I should point out you can obviously see the pitcher track on here, right? Is that that's this uh, that's spur the, that's the spur at low plate appearances? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> you predict some of those, right? It looks like at the low end. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. The very yeah, some of the ones who are yeah, it's harder to pit, predict someone who actually gets like who goes deep into games in the nine spot. It's yeah, yeah. L- luckily, luckily, it doesn't matter. Other than at some point, I would love to analyze if a pitcher gets pulled early. Does that mean that somebody is going to get more plate appearances? Some batter that we care about is going to get more plate appearances. It I mean, does, it does. Yeah, right? exactly. It has to. Um, but maybe they'll only get one more plate appearance because then they'll be pulled for the pitcher spot again. Or you know, we had we had a couple of guys that were kind of interesting. Um, it was a cascading effect, right? Because there could be a guy who comes in for to hit for Clayton Kershaw, and then the next the next uh, pitcher who comes in needs a defensive, like let's say first baseman. So then he goes over and and spells Tur- Justin Turner, who was playing first that day. Um, yeah, so it's a cascading effect. 
So yeah, I think that the next step is to try to figure out a little bit more if we can do any sort of improvement on those. Should we just pull out the pictures? Does that affect? It doesn't affect anything, does it? No, I, I think from from a fantasy perspective, we should absolutely pull the pictures. There's no other other than other than that second order effect that I want to investigate at some point about the cascading effects. There's there's no point to including them in there. Okay, but does it actually affect the model having them in there? No, no. No, okay. The way that you've built this doesn't sound like it would like weight that in some sort of weird way, um, tilt that yeah. line a tiny bit. Yeah, I'd I'd like to let's 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 try to see the um, let's try to see the, those examples. So I I do have one algorithmic question that I was thinking about, which is how can we how can we automatically determine whether a guy is an injury risk or whether he's just sitting a lot and this to me has to do, I know, has to do with the clustering of their appearances in the sense of like how many how many times they have three games on, one game off, three games on, one game off, like types type of things like that. Uh-huh. Like I want some metric that that says like, okay, well, this player was that three games on, one game off, and this player was two straight months, and then they were out for two weeks. <laughs> like I want a metric that that quickly encapsulates that. Well, both those could be injury problems. I know, I know. So we, we have some tuning to do. Uh, but that that's sort of where I think we need to go next because the obvious thing that we have to do is the batting mm. order is important, but the most important thing is predicting the number of games that a guy is going to appear in. And we're just going to, we've yeah. got to make some progress in in getting that from track record or from first principles or something. <sighs> Yeah, do yeah. How do we how do we predict that? Or how do we take the information that we have and actually tune something? Yeah, well, I mean, this so the, this is really only a preseason issue in the sense that the minute the season starts and we see where a guy is in the lineup, we can predict very quickly how sense. many plate appearances yeah. they're going to get, um, which I think is really a useful aspect of this model, but it doesn't help us with the preseason draft evaluation, like. How many time like how many games is this guy gonna appear in? We gotta figure that out somehow. Well, that's where some of the really weird value things happen. Where it's like, you know, I think like when I got Trevor Story in our keeper league, mm. he was he was hurt in spring training, and I like picked him up, and we had a rolling, you know, we have this rolling draft that email draft that takes forever, and then like two days later, it was like, no, Trevor Story's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. So it's. <laughs> You know, and all, all of a sudden, you get a little bit of value. It's really hard to actually codify that, though. Yeah, but I want to be ready to like hit go repeatedly on our models based on that. Would be the would be the hope. So, anyway, just thinking about that. Okay, I will. We'll, we'll, let's, let's think about that. Let's let's put progress into that. I think that about brings us to the review session. Nikki Lopez. Nikki Lopez, the 26-year-old shortstop for the Kansas City Royals. Third season, almost, I mean, he's basically, he's almost played full seasons. 2021, 151 games, 565 plate appearances, 78 runs, two home runs, 43 RBIs, 22 stolen bases, and a 300 average. So... He's only contributing in two categories. He's not hurting you in one, and then he's actively hurting you in two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, those stolen bases in this day and age, that's pretty good. 
300 average, nothing to scoff at. Actually, something to enjoy. Yeah, the 78 runs would be great if that was 88, 98 runs. It would be elite if it was 98 runs. Two home runs, though. Two home runs is, yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting. And that's shocking. He barrel. He's in the first percentile in barrels. So, like, that he got two home runs is an anomaly. I, it, I, <laughs> I mean, he, uh, he, he doesn't look like the type of guy who's cranking a lot of home runs now, does he? No, he I, does not. I'm confused because this 2019 season, he steals one base in 103 games. Where did these 22 stolen bases come from this year? Like, should we have don't seen know. this coming? I don't see. I don't see much. I mean, he's got a 79th percentile sprint speed, but that didn't translate to 22 home run, 22 stolen bases for everybody who, who has that sprint speed. No, no. I think that's a that's a manager piece. Okay, I I could buy that. I don't. It's got to be a manager thing. It's just got to be a choice to let him go. Wow, I just watched one of his home runs again, and he actually clocked it. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like a weird, it wasn't like a been. weird one. But he, he really does not. He really doesn't look like a guy who's going to hit home runs. He looks like a guy who's going to steal bases and hit for average. Yeah, he looks like a guy. He's his stance is built for seeing the yeah. ball. Yeah, longer. He's back. He's got a. He's got a. He pulls his. He pulls the bat through, rakes it through the zone, so he's going to be able to get a lot of contact. Maybe. He's going to be a guy that if he's if he's healthy, he's going to have a high batting average because he's going to his batting average of balls in play. Yeah, I, the thing that I don't know what to do with him is where does he fit in your fantasy team? Like shortstop's a deep position, as evidenced by when we're talking about him. It's hard to throw yeah. that position away on this guy. But I mean, my TGFBI team could have been helped so much by having a guy who got twenty two stolen bases and batted 300 would have been so to some, to some extent it kind of matters the league construction matters like if you if you can afford to have what is mostly a one tool guy who's also going to help you a little bit on average it's a pretty it's a pretty considerable help but like as we've found and, and discussed like if you make that decision to have like he's not gonna his 300 batting average isn't gonna wash out someone who's batting 200 Miguel Sano like him and Miguel Sano like the sum of those two parts actually is less (laughs) than than what they should be because they should be on on teams that stack in that that direction so yeah Nicky Lopez is better for a team that is already geared towards average and needs some more stolen bases so we're team that has Michael Brantley and JD Martinez so we're talking about him as his 2021 value what what do we think is going to happen in 2022? This is not the kind of guy that wins you fantasy leagues, but this is the kind of guy where you pick up in the right spot and you feel pretty darn good about yourself. I I don't I'm not sure I agree He's, with that. I mean, if he if he ups those runs, if he somehow got to 100 runs, he is the kind of guy that helps you win fantasy leagues. Yeah, well, you think he's gonna he's gonna jump up to 100 runs on that? I team? don't know. No, I no. That's what I'm saying. Is like he's not all of a sudden going to be like batting first for the Yankees here. He's such a Kansas City Royal, hitting 300. Yeah, no, he's a he's a guy who's 
getting playing time on a bat on a not great team but fine team is such a i mean i i look at them and think like this is a prototypical this is a, a prototypical kansas city royal oh yeah he's a fine baseball player who wouldn't wouldn't make the starting lineup on the 15 teams that are really but competing. i don't understand why you're not more in on him i mean it's kind of a it's kind of a whit merrifield with no power situation um i am sort of in on him i would pick him up i i'd pick him up but i'm concerned that his value might be there might be a, a few too many maybe that's silly yeah i i think that he's a late round jeez they always bat flyer him. if that's what the value is that we think that they he's always batted be. him ninth that's just mean a little bit of a little bit of yeah. second mostly ninth I mean, where do you think he's going to be in drafts? Like 180? Um, I'm not sure he's going to make 200. He's going to crack. Well, depend depends on depends on what the league construction is. I think, and and it depends on when there's a run on stolen bases. I mean, I think I think it's going to be very clustered because if people see that stolen bases are gone, I think they'll grab Nicky Lopez earlier than maybe they should. Right. Yes. This is this, this is sort of what my my hesitance okay. is on him because he has one skill, and to buy that one skill, you're probably going to have to overpay for him. But maybe he gets up to thirty next year. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> right? he, he would have been a really fun guy to get this year because he had no stolen bases before, so he was never he was wasn't going to be drafted yeah. as a stolen base guy. No. We need to find. No, yeah, I kind of like him, but I do think that his value is going to be a little bit higher than I want to pay. So you really him. think one eighty? I think somewhere wow. in the one eighty okay. range. Yeah, why are you going to put it put a bet? Yeah, I mean, what I if we did one eighty point five? Well, okay, if we did one eighty one eighty four point five. No, I think he's going to be in the one eighties. Okay, I don't think so. So, so I'm saying one eighty nine point five. One eighty nine point five. Yeah, sure. <laughs> No, Eric, I will not give you one. No, I will not. No push. No pushes here. I don't like pushes. They bum me out. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. All right. I I think, yeah, I think he'll end up being like really higher than we, we really kind of expect because he has that one skill. Yep. I, I'm i ready to believe that. All right. Who are we doing next week? We're going to talk about the, uh, the elder statesman of the shortstop club here, Gene Segura. Old flame. I know it's it'll it'll be sad to see how the how the mighty have fallen. <laughs> Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, Mind the Sea. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you too. Yay!